Hi, everybody. So, uh, got a little story for you. Uh, the pastor, while he was preaching, he said, I just want to announce that there's going to be a church board meeting after the service. So after the close of the service, the church board gathered at the back of the uh, sanctuary, and a visitor who had been there for the very first time got into the group with the uh, church board. And the pastor said, my friend, didn't you understand this is a meeting of the board? And he said, well, after today's sermon, I suppose I'm just about as bored as anyone else who can come to this meeting. So I thought I'd show up. I thought that was a good one. I hope you're not bored tonight. How many love the word? Amen. How many have ever been caving before? Uh, four of you. All right. Not too many people have been caving. But uh, we're going to go caving tonight. That's the title of my uh, little sermonette here. Won't be a long time, but I just want to share with you some truths about caving. Uh, turn with me in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Here's what the word says. Finally, brethren, I like this because this is a summary of the Apostle Paul speaking about the full armor of God. Then he says this, finally, brethren. In other words, this is the summary. Be strong in the spirit and in the power of his might. Be strong in the spirit and in the power of his might. I just want to announce to you tonight that you must realize early in your Christian life that warfare is going to be a part of your life forever. You're never going to stop fighting. If you think you're going to be on vacation in the kingdom and things are going to go well, forget about it, okay? But can you imagine David's mother? You know, he was a young man shepherding the flock, some say as early as 16, 17 years of age. And I bet that David's mother had a totally different idea about David the day that he came home with his sling, he hung it up, you know, and said, hey, Ma, guess what? Today a bear came and attacked the sheep, and I killed it with my bare hands. I killed it. Well, I can imagine at that moment, David's mother thought, okay, I'm raising a warrior. And it's true, because not long after that, he came home and said, hey, I killed a lion today. She got to get to the point where she realized that David was always going to have a battle, but he was always victorious. And I want to encourage you tonight, if you're in a battle, coming out of a battle, or about to go into battle, <laughs> you are a warrior. But you're not just a warrior, you're a worshiping warrior. And that makes all the difference. Because David was a worshiper in the hills of Bethlehem watching those sheep. He wrote so many songs unto the Lord had intimacy established with Jesus. And that's what made him a victorious warrior because he realized that warfare was going to be a part of his life, but embedded in his worship. Now, something about David, if you know the story of he and Jonathan, uh, Saul's son, Jonathan, noticed this about David early on in his life and was attracted to him. Bravery in the spirit. 
and I want you to get this down. Your bravery in the spirit will solicit the champion in other people. When you realize you're a warrior and a worshiping, worshiping warrior, and you get around other people, it will draw their hearts to you and draw out of them a champion attitude. Now, you remember what Jonathan did, him and his uh, armor bearer? They climbed the wall and uh, defeated the Philistines, just the two of them, and then went back to the camp and said, we can take these guys, let's go do it. See, Jonathan uh, was, a, <clears throat> was attracted to David's spirit, and what David was, he became the champion that God had intended. Now, I'm just telling you tonight, I'm talking to champions. You are all champions, and you are all brave. You are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And sometimes you got to tell yourself that. Sometimes I get in the bathroom, look in the mirror, and say, Hey, Lou, you're powerful, you're strong, you're anointed, you're talented, you're victorious, you're brave. And then I stop and say, Who are you talking to? I said, well, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to myself. We've got to tell ourselves who and what we are. Go to 1 Samuel 22, verses 1 to 5. And verse 1 of 1 Samuel 22, verse, uh, verses 1 through 5, give us the landscape for this message. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all of his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. Verse 2, and everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontented gathered to him. I don't know what David was thinking when all of those misfits started showing up, but he must have looked around and thought, what in the world did I do to deserve all of this? People that are discontented, People that are in debt, people that are in distress are coming to me in this cave. But David had to understand, who was a type of Christ, that the champion and the brave spirit in him was attracting the champion in those who yet did not become what God had planned for them for the foundation of the world. They were in debt when they came, but they didn't stay in debt. They were discontented when they came. They were in distress when they came. But if you read about David's mighty men, and we don't have time to get into that tonight, those 30 most powerful of David's men came in as misfits, but went out powerful in the name of the Lord. And you and I know that we can get in the cave with God, and we are going to come out totally transformed. Because when David came into the cave, maybe you can equate to this, he had lost his wife. He lost all of his friends, especially his best friend, Jonathan. He lost his job. He lost the prestige and the self-worth that went with the job. He lost his income, lost his dreams, lost his confidence. As a matter of fact, it tells us that he acted as if he was insane to protect himself. So he lost his confidence in who he was. And he was probably at an all-time low, 
and had a self-worth of about zero. Everybody say zero. zero. Now, you can't get much lower than zero. I know I'm going to say, well, you can go to negative, but zero is at the bottom. Caves are where people find themselves when all of your life support and all of the things that you've relied upon, all of your dreams are stripped away. And you think, you know what? That's a bad place to be, is it? It may not be a bad place to be. Maybe we've had too much reliance upon all of those things instead of God who is in the cave to meet with us. And God said, you know what? You need to lose all that stuff. Get to the place where you're in that dark, cold, lonely place so I can prove to you that I am with you. Caves are where people find themselves. Sometimes we can have a wonderful family and uh, we can have wonderful friends, but people come and go. How many have learned that over life? Yeah, some people really love you and then they don't like you so much the next day, maybe the next year. But listen to this. To go boldly where no man or woman has ever gone before, realize and discover that the single most simple moment of life that we have planned may never work out. So your plans, your future that you had all mapped out may be aborted by God. What if it was? What would you do? Would you say, God, how did you leave me like this? Why did you not bring it to pass? You said that I would have all the desires of my heart. Well, let's read the whole scripture. It says, trust in the Lord and lean not unto thine own understanding. And in all thy ways, do what? Acknowledge him. It, all thy ways. Is your marriage away? Yeah. Is your money away? Yeah. Is your children away? Yes. There are ways in our life that we must acknowledge God in and he shall give us the desires of our hearts. Sometime what he has to do is he has to strip us down to the bottom line and rebuild us. Maybe you're in a rebuilding moment tonight. I don't know. But when you get in a cave, how do you get out? When your world is collapsing around you, how do you shore it up? Number one, this is what David did. I'm going to give you three quick things. Number one, he prayed. Psalm 34 and 1 is the Psalm of David. He wrote it when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove him away and he departed. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. He knew that his praise was a weapon because he was a worshiping warrior. Don't ever let go of your praise. Realize that your praise is a weapon in the spiritual realm and you cannot lose your confidence in your praise. Let your mouth can be continually filled 
with the praise of God. Listen to this one, Psalm 57 in verse 1. We're saying, how do you get out of a cave? You pray your way out. Psalm 57, 1, the, to the chief musician. He said this when he fled from Saul in the cave. Be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me, for my soul trusts in you. Yes, in the shadow of my wings will I make my refuge until calamities be overpassed. Until these calamities have passed by. I want you to put that thought in your mind. Until these calamities have passed by. The most difficult place that you may be in right now will pass by. You're not going to live there forever. Don't make permanent decisions in a temporary circumstance. A lot of people do that. They'll make permanent decisions in a very dark moment thinking that it's not going to pass. What does the scripture say? The scripture says, make, and in the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. One of my prayers, scriptures in the morning every day, I have a lot of repetitive scriptures that I quote, is in Psalm 91, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Amen? You want to abide under the shadow. So I say, Father, show me your shadow today. I want to abide under the shadow. Let me run to the shadow. I, I prayed that shadow thing <laughs> so many different ways. I'm just talking about the shadow all the time in my prayer. And it tells us in that scripture that, that he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the uh, shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord... You are my rock and my refuge, my God in what? Whom I will trust. So the trust factor for David in the middle of the cave experience was huge. Because he knew that to continue to trust is what would anchor him to God's promise while the calamities passed over. And they will pass over. Number uh, three in the first point of he prayed, Psalm 142.1, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and with my voice to the Lord I make my supplication. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. Actually, when you read that scripture, the cry of your voice not only reaches God, but it reaches the ears of the eagles. What does that mean? Those that are in debt, those that are in distress, and those that are discontented. You think, well, how can you call them eagles? Because they were diamonds in the rough. They had so much potential. God said, let me bring them to you, David, because what's in you needs to get into them and awaken their spirit. See, this is the beauty of fellowship. This is the beauty of the body of Christ. When you have a brave worshiping warrior in the kingdom of God, you want to be around those kinds of people because they will bring the champion out of you. They make you better. You worship different when you're with them. You pray different when you're with them. You'll preach different when you're around them. 
So we see here, Psalm 142, verse 1, I cried to the Lord, and they began to gather. David focused on what he had and not on what he lost. In the dark place, in the moments of uncertainty, when calamity has clouded your horizon, continue to trust on the Lord and focus on what you do have. Father, I want to thank you today. I prayed this about five or six times. I want to thank you for my food, clothing, shelter. I want to thank you for the air that I breathe and the water that I drink because it comes from your grace-filled hand, and I am blessed. So, well, that's not a whole lot to thank God for. It is if you didn't have it. And there are millions today that will die of starvation in this world while your and I bellies are full. So somebody better give God praise for food, water, air to breathe. Come on. Listen how they are described. I want to talk about this just for a minute, the ones that were gathered to David in verse 2, 1 Samuel 22 and verse 2. If you don't mind, put that scripture up. And everyone that was in distress, everyone that was in debt, everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them, and there were with him about 400 men. See, God wants to turn the Arnots into an army. When you come into that cave place in your life, realize you're not in there by yourself. God's there waiting on you. And when you walk into that place, know this, the champion of champions is going to get all over you. The one that is brave, the one that is commanding, the one that is strong, the one that is powerful is going to make you powerful and strong. Realize that in the dark moments of our life is when we come out from them as a better person. Knowing that on the other side of trial and calamity, there is greater hope, greater joy. There is greater purpose to be enjoyed. Now, God wants to turn these Arnots into an army. Everyone who is in distress. The word distressed here is an interesting word. It literally means someone who is oppressed, particularly oppressed by an enemy. There is about uh, 14 people that I pray for. I have their names. I won't mention them because you may think, well, I know who that is, so I won't mention their names, but I know them so well because I pray them twice a day because they're oppressed of the enemy. I know that they're oppressed of the enemy because their life is in bondage. So my prayer is to loose them from the oppression of the enemy. Because David loosed those that came to him from oppression, being distressed. If you're distressed tonight, it's an enemy who is oppressing you through series of circumstances, trying to convince you that the calamity that is over you, overshadow you, will never pass. That is a lie of the devil. Realizing that there is hope when you trust in the Lord. 
Everyone who is in debt came to him, learning to trust the God of the cave. You know, the debt, those that were in debt came to the, to the cave. They had only one other choice beside the cave. You know what it was? A debtor's prison. Now, in Bible times, if you went to a debtor's prison, you didn't get out until you paid your debt. My question is, how do I pay my debt if I'm in prison and I can't go out and work and make money to be able to pay the debt to get me out of debtor's prison? That means I got to have somebody who loves me enough to go to work twice, make what they need, and then also pay for me to get out of jail. It sort of helps us understand he paid a debt he did not owe, and we owed a debt we could not pay. It was Jesus who got us out of debt. We'll talk about that some other time. Then finally, everyone who was discontented. Discontented here talks about people that were not satisfied with the status quo of the kingdom. This is nothing new. When Constantine legalized Christianity in about 300 A.D., it became the state religion. When it did, it incorporated a lot of pagan activity and tradition into Christianity. I don't want to belabor all that and talk about all that tonight, but some of them we still adhere to. And uh, it became a very dark time. How many know that the church went into the dark ages? You know, we're talking about, if you know anything about church history. And in the dark ages, there was a loss. We lost the... the, uh, relationship with Jesus. We lost the gifts of the Spirit. We lost the kingdom, really. And it became man's religion. Well, during that time, it's called the monastics or the desert fathers. You know what they did? They decided that they weren't content with, they were discontented with the normal faith of Christianity at the time. And they removed themselves and went into the deserts and became monks, monastic. The monastics, what they did is they decided they were going to find God for themselves apart from the culture in which they live. See, there is a growing trend again today, and I really believe this, that there are, there are some monastics among us. You, you and I, we are sort of tired of the culture telling us how to go to church, what to believe how to believe it. And we're thinking, you know what? No, no, no. We're discontented. We're going into the cave and we're, going, we're, we're not happy with the status quo of Christianity because we want more. There's got to be more to Christianity than what we see across the board. Do you believe that? Sometimes I wish politicians wouldn't even ascribe to faith. They say, well, I, I, I believe in Jesus. I go to the, you know, they go to the big evangelical mega churches and make an appearance and sing a song up on the platform and clap their hands and act like they're believers. But the facts are, they're status quo. And don't get excited about people who are status quo faith. Look for the cave. Look for David. Look for Jesus. Jesus was called the son 
of David. They came to the cave because they, would know, they knew they would find compassion, not criticism. You're going to find compassion in that lonely place. You're going to find restoration in that lonely place. David was the last person in the world who would find fault with them. David, like Jesus, would never throw stones at broken people because he was broken. This is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat. A broken man will never throw stones at another broken man. I want to encourage you tonight to come to Jesus in that lonely, dark place. Realize they came because they knew they would find acceptance, someone to believe in them. Now, David may have been in a cave, but he was still a king. And I have to remind you tonight, you may be going through a very difficult place, difficult time. You may have calamity as a cloud over your life, but that doesn't change who you are. Just because things are around you has no bearing on who God made you to be. David was still the anointed warrior king even when he was in the cave. And so are you. You are destined for this. You are destined for greatness. Broken men don't throw stones at other broken men. God looks for the diamonds in the rough. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27. I don't know if you have that particular scripture or not. You do. Thank you. I love this scripture. Since I was first born again, I really love this scripture. You know why? Because God has chosen the foolish things of this world. <laughs> and I thought, Lord, I'm, that's me. To put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things. That, that's me. Of this world to put to shame the things which are mighty. You're going to outlast your enemy. You're going to defeat your enemy. You are going to overcome because that's who God made you to be. You think, why should I believe it? It's so foolish. People tell me this is foolish. God's chosen the foolish things. But there is one rule when you go caving. Never go caving alone. Make sure the son of David is with you. Men were drawn to David because they saw someone who didn't lose his faith when he had every reason in the world to do so. People are watching you. They saw a faith that came alive in trouble, not died in trouble. It came alive in trouble. It didn't dissipate during hardship. They came to this cave because they were looking for acceptance and purpose, for inspiration, for genuine leadership. People today are looking for genuine leadership. And what does that mean? You're a leader when everything is going well and you're winning? No. Can you lead me when we lose? 
Can you lead me when you didn't play your best? You see, they came because they saw him. They saw in him a man who cared for them, not because of what they could bring to the table, but because of what they were going to become. And can I help us get a better vision of people when you meet them? See them through God's eyes and not through their appearance or their speech or their education or their affluence, but see them in the spirit and realize that they are diamonds in the rough and God has a plan for their lives. They came to him because they saw in him a man whose convictions didn't fluctuate, I love this, with the warfare around him. His convictions were true no matter how tough it came, became to be. He stayed steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. But he finally left the cave. But he didn't leave sulking. He didn't leave with a pity party. Too many pity parties in church. 1 Samuel 22, 5, the prophet Gad came to David and said, Do not stay in this stronghold. Depart. Go into the land of Judah. It's interesting that Gad told him where to go. Go to the land of Judah. What does Judah mean? Come on, somebody. What does Judah mean? It means praise. He went in, Psalm 34, 1, with praise continually in his mouth. He came out by the prophet Gad's admonition. And told him to go to the land of Judah. Go to the place of praise. Go to the land of praise. Go to the dwelling of praise. He never left his problems. He left the cave. And there'll be many adulums in your life. As a matter of fact, there'll probably be so many that when you come back to adulum, You'll feel like you're home. It'll be a familiar place. For those who are new in their faith, you may not believe that, but you just hang on. Give me 20 years. Okay, let's go. Give me 30 more years. And I'll see how many times you visit a Dulem. And why would you visit a Dulem? For the same reason that they all came. Because life's ebb and flow sometimes brings discontentment into our heart, distress into our life, debt into our experience, and we need to go back, simplify our life, just see Jesus, and let him speak to us words of faith. I didn't say he left his problem, so don't think about it. Some people are still in the cave sulking ten years later. Can't get them to praise. You're mad. You're angry. You're disappointed. You're still in debt. You're still distressed. You quit church. Quit God. Oh, I used to go to church. That's a bunch of baloney. It doesn't work. I see you're still sulking in your cave. Come on. Come on back out. Let me prophesy to you. Come back out according to the word of the Lord and go to the land of Judah. He went back to the land of praise. You can tell when people have marinated in misery. Have you ever met someone who has marinated in misery? 
you can tell it, you know, when they're marinated in ministry, it's infused every aspect of their being. Their conversation is miserable. Their outlook is miserable. Their prospects for the future is miserable. Why? Because they've marinated in misery. They can't help but be miserable. And if you're around someone that long, like that long enough, I noticed that my mother's chicken soup was the best. I have to say it, you know, nobody can make it like my mother. But you know what it tasted the best? The second and third day. You put that thing in a pot and eat it right off the stove, it was good. But man, two or three days into that thing and you heat it up, help me, Jesus. It was, you know why? Because everything in it marinated. Everything was impacted. Everything was affected. It changed its flavor. Marinate yourself in your victory. Marinate yourself as a worshiping warrior. Marinate yourself as one who trusts in the Lord and doesn't lean onto your own understanding. Marinate yourself in your future and in your hope. And everything you say will come out. Everything you say will come out victorious. Everything you declare will come out with the progressive thought of God's purpose in your life. We're not to rationalize our promises to our circumstances. I want you to get that. We are not to rationalize our promises to our circumstances. Read this with me. Say the second part. Ready? Starting with the but. But we are to war against our circumstances by our promises. Now, what does that mean? Let's talk about that for a minute, and then we have to close. We're not to rationalize our promises. Well, this isn't for today, or God didn't mean that for me, or somebody else who had more faith, or I don't have enough. We rationalize our promises based to our circumstances, so our circumstances are the Lord over our lives. But we are to war against, oh, we forgot the T, against our circumstances by our promises here it is, 1 Timothy 1.18. This is the verse from where that was extracted. This I charge and commit to you, Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. You want to know how I fight? With the prophecies. With the promises of God's Word. I was talking with someone today. There are 1,189 chapters in the Bible. This book right here. It's a real Bible up here. It's not a, what do you call it, tablet? 1,189, if you read 10 a day, you would read the Bible through three times in a year. Now, why is that important? Because when you read truth... You may not be able to remember or recall everything you read, but when you hear something that is false, your spirit will alert you. You're like, I don't know, but I'm not sure about that. I'm going to have to look that up. I, ooh, this doesn't feel right to me. You know why? Because you've embedded truth in your spirit. The very elect that are going to be deceived in the last days are those that don't read their Bible. 
And you know how many people in the church don't read their Bible? 95% of them don't read it. Come on, somebody. You better get in the book. Why? Because that's how we wage our warfare. We wage our warfare based on what he said. So all I can declare to the devil is what God said in his word. That's my, that's my defense. So we know, 1 Timothy 1.18, that's, that's how we win. Listen to this. Your future is not determined by the troubles of your past, but by God's promises towards your future. Let me say it again. My and your future, our future, is not determined, not course set by the troubles that I've had in my past. What troubles have you had in your past, Lou? Oh, I don't want to tell you. Some I've made up my own. I've made my own trouble. Others have made trouble for me. But I've had trouble. I've made wrong decisions and wrong choices. But listen to this. Those will not determine my future. But God's promises will determine my future. You are a warrior, king, worshiper. David didn't have his wife back, money back, friends back. But if you sit in the cave until things get better, you're going to stay there forever. A journey back to the land of praise doesn't even begin with miracles. It begins with you by faith honoring God with the words of your mouth and the meditation of your heart. That's what the psalmist said. Father, let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The words of your mouth, the meditations of your heart to line up with God's eternal word. Why? Because that is your future. So, so we see our future is not determined by the troubles of our past, but by God's promises of our future. Four things David did to get out of his cave, and I conclude with this. Number one, he prayed. Number two, he focused on what he did have, not what he didn't have. Number three, he left the cave to go to the land of praise. And number four, he humbled himself before God. David wrote Psalm 34 while in the cave of Adullam. If you want to have a good Bible study this week, go to Psalm 34. And I don't know, do you have it back there? Do you have the entire psalm or not? Yeah, put it up, would you please? He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. David was in a cave. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. When he first got there, it was just him. He's like, let us magnify the Lord together. With who? Who are you talking to? I sought the Lord, he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant. Their faces were not ashamed. The poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his trouble. The angel of the Lord. Uh-oh. David's in the cave, and what does he see? Angels. 
angels of the Lord and camps all around those who fear him and delivers them. I can imagine the angels were dancing around David in the cave saying, you're about to get delivered. 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 And David's like, yeah, 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 yeah. All by himself in this cave. That's what, that's what he wrote. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There's no want to those who fear him. The young, young lions lack and suffer hunger. But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. No grocery store, no 7-Eleven, no get and go, nothing. Just David in a cave. But he declared he would not lack any good thing. Because he was with God. You are with God. Emmanuel, God is with us. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is a man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. David was learning. He was learning. He was learning in the cave. Watch what you say. <laughs> Don't speak words of evil, words of doubt. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, who cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Calamity is going to go. Trouble is going to go, and it came to pass. Great words in the Bible. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. He guards all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. David knew he was coming out. David knew that cave wasn't his home. And that dark place that you've been in your life, listen to me, it's not your home. It's not your permanent dwelling. You're not going to live there. You're not going to stay there. It shall come to pass. You're leaving. You're going to go to the land of Judah. You're going to go to the land of praise. And you're going to be a praising warrior king anointed to defeat the enemy in every dimension of your life. How many say amen? I believe it. Shout amen. I believe it. Come on. Stand up to your feet. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless those who have come tonight to hear this word. I bless the Father, the worship team, who have brought us into the very presence of the living God. I thank you today, Lord, that there is no weapon formed, custom-made against us shall prosper. But, Father, you said, you said that every tongue that rises up against us shall be defeated. We thank you, Lord, today that the arm of the Lord is not so short that it cannot save. We thank you, Father, that you've anointed us with a holy anointing from heaven. We thank you today, God, that we walk by faith, not by sight. And we know that the weapon of our warfare is not carnal, but it's powerful through the pulling down of strongholds. And we stand on the promises of God. We stand, O oh God, in faith, believing that we will come out. So now, Lord, I pray for every person in this room and those that may be hearing this message that they are coming out and that you, O oh God, are making them to be the champion that you've always seen them to be. 
that you're bringing them into bravery. You're bringing them into exploits. You're bringing them into greatness. You're bringing them into a conquering mentality in Jesus' name. And we thank you for it. And we bless you. With our eyes closed, our heads bowed, those of you listening by YouTube or other some social platform, you've never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, do it today. Get in the Word today. I'm calling for an altar call today. 1,189 chapters. You can do it. You can do it in 118 days, 10 chapters a day, and you will program your mind when truth spoken and when falsities are spoken your spirit will know don't be deceived in this last day get in the book it's a a very little book to read you can do it think about it you watch a football game it's three hours long come on baby put three hours in the word huh come on we could do it and we can become more than conquerors in Christ so if you're here today you want heaven and not hell you want God and not the devil you say Pastor, I want to be born again. I want Jesus as my Savior. Would you pray with me? Absolutely. That's why we're here. If you want that prayer, then I'd like for you to do something. I'd like for you to just raise your hand and hold it there for a minute. Put it back down. Say, yeah, you know what? I need that prayer. I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Pray for me tonight. Amen. Maybe that's you that are watching. You could call our office, 440-960-1100. Speak to one of the God-fearing anointed men and women of God that are here. They'll lead you to Christ. They'll pray with you. They'll get you some materials. But don't let another day go by where you don't serve God with all your heart, all your might, all your strength and lean not to your own understanding in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, there's a board meeting right after this sermon. We're meeting in the back. And uh, I'll be there just in a few minutes. And anyone that was bored with this message, you can join us in that meeting. All right? Live right, love everybody. Pray hard. See you next time. God bless you all.